right, y'all, get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, proprietor of Dave Marketing, promoter, uh, marketing specialist, man about town, um, and all-around good guy. I'm hanging out with my partner, Mr. Leonard Young. What's going on, Mr. Leonard Young? Good. Everything's going good. This is Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guide, DelawareBlack.com, Black media specialist and all-around good guy. How's it going, David? Hey, I can't complain, man. It's it's gone. We're we're uh, getting closer to Turkey Day, you know, or whatever you're going to eat day. And you know, um, I'm about to get on my cleanse tonight. You know, you? started. <laughs> Which it is to, to get ready to to prepare. Yeah, yeah get getting getting ready to prepare tomorrow. I'll do a. a, a uh 5k and you know i just need to get it <laughs> okay all right good good luck I, with I, that yeah yeah i'll be you know i'll be getting ready man and you know um you know got to do a little stomach you know few stomach contortions and all that kind of stuff to free up some room yeah i'll be ready by the time thursday come around i'll be ready so okay. you know now, now what if you're not ready i'm still going to be ready <laughs> <laughs> we say uh, re- ready regardless yeah, ready regardless. You know, it's it's it, you know it is what it is. You know, because you always you always hate yourself when you can't eat on that day. You know that particular day. You know, no, you said, huh? Well, you remember, you remember, I'm 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 big on taking leftovers home. So if I don't eat that day, they they still gotta get eight. Oh, okay, but but you know, but you know, there's the buildup going into that day because you know you just want to eat. You know, you just want to eat, and like I said, right. you know, I'm like. You know, I, you know, I that that always has been one of my favorite days growing up. So that always worked for me. So, but um, other than that, man, how's everything else? Man, everything's good. Kind of like we were talking earlier. I, I finally made it out to uh, see Black Panther, and and I actually made it out to your spot too, the uh, Painters Crossing Cinema. Oh, you went up Crossing. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I did. So. um yeah, I mean, everything was good. I mean, kind of like everything. I'm going to reiterate everything you said. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good movie. And um, I thought they did a very, it's it's great when you have black folks who who really put, put an effort to make something that just holds your attention, mm-hmm. makes you feel good. And, and, and you know, and you know, and the majority of them are young people that are in this film. Yeah, so no, they they definitely are. And then we have the young lady who's living here in Delaware that makes yeah. her, you know, that makes her screen day because that's her first big role, right? Um, yes and no. So I think she was in Beale if Beale Street can talk. Oh, the Beale Street and movie, she yeah. was she was in another one. I think another Ryan Coogler movie. So this may be her third Ryan Coogler movie. But, but um, roles in this one or. So I'm not sure because now that I know who she is, I never backtracked to see who she was. And, and you know, if, if Bill Street can talk, it's kind of old. So yeah. I don't know how old yeah. she is now, but she probably that would have been a teenager like, then. Yeah, that was with Michael B. Jordan. And that was, what? yeah, it's been about six, seven years ago, maybe. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
Well, but that's it, it's but like I said, it's just good being able to see and the imagery. Um, you know, it's just a nice film to look at. You know, right. the first one too. The first one was too. So, um, but um, I'm glad that you got a chance. Did you go with the family or did you? Well, so uh, my family, they all went to go see them, see them with their others. Okay. So uh, right. my kids saw them with her, their mom, and my wife's kids saw them with her father. So it, it was just me and okay. me and my wife seeing it yesterday. Okay. Well, that okay. All right. Cool. 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 All right. Well, I tell you, um, uh, I'm I'm glad that you got a chance, and I really encourage anybody who hasn't had a chance to see it to go see this movie. It's a, it's you know, it's, it's one that we both recommend. So, so Cisco and Ebert had spoken here, so we just let <laughs> you go. So. Right. Uh, Coker and Young have spoke. <laughs> two thumbs up there. Two thumbs up. All right. So. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into our show. Um, I, we have a guest on with us tonight, folks, and I'm going to have Leonard um, go ahead and read her bio and introduce her so we can bring her on and and be able to speak with her about her wonderful career and what she's doing. OK. OK, so tonight we have Robin Miller and I'm going to read her bio. Um, so she says. When I moved to New York from a small town, I started an entertainment company in 2008 to secure artists and entertainment venues for booking because New York offered a lot of opportunities. The pressure to pay rent meant having meant having a full time job. One artist told me that I needed to put full time into my business or it would just be a hobby until the money started rolling in. It wasn't easy, especially for women in a shark infested industry. While there were some good people, like most businesses, it only it just takes time to understand what makes people operate the way they do. And most likely it's about money. At first, I didn't have a lot of resources. So I started out making media kits for artists and entertainers. They were pricey to make way before digital took over. Yet many groups and artists kept them for souvenirs. Still, they knew, still, they expected me to know how to book shows. If not, they wouldn't spend much time and never gave out their contacts. There's no book to teach, and no one is going to help, especially to give out free information. But keep in mind the unsigned artist is looking for a record deal, the promoter wants to buy shows. The venue wants to sell seats. Gradually, I was able to book artists. Some some didn't want to pay my commission or laughed at me saying I was green. But in the long run, I began to develop my company and understand the nature of the beast. So, David, without further ado, we would like to welcome to News and Trends, Robin Miller. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. How well, are you? Uh, good. Well, we're, we're, how good how you doing, Robin? I'm good. Good. So, I'm I good. mean, definitely impressive. So the, the first thing I always wonder when I hear people say they moved to New York was, one, where did you move from and what made you move to New York? Because, you know, we always hear if you can make if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. OK, I moved from Seattle, Washington. And when I say it's a small town, the percentage of blacks was like 7%. Mm. 
So it was really like being in Scandinavia. That's what it felt like to me. So if I wanted to get copies made, I had to drive all the way across town because at that time, the culture was not in the entertainment industry. You know, they weren't thinking about that. They were thinking about going to work, going to school, you know, socializing on the weekends. And that was that. But I kept running into entertainers and I was like, God, why, why am I running into these people? You know, so I just felt like I wanted to go to New York. Once I went the first time and I saw how dynamic and the energy of New York, I had to be there. So it took a minute, but I got there. Now, when you went there, did you know anybody there? Did you just kind of like pack up your stuff and like, you know, like <laughs> buy, buy a one way ticket or? Kind of, but uh, a friend of mine's daughter, uh, she lived in Queens. So I got a chance to spend a couple of weeks with her. And then I was out running around trying to get everything done in one day and what you can't do it. So um, when I got the chance, I went back again. In fact, I made about seven trips in one year just to, you know, fly in, fly out because. You don't want to sleep on a bench in New York. You don't want to have to stay with people. Although there were a few people that I met that were so kind, they knew what I was doing and they, they welcomed me in. And I noticed that's really how it happens, you know, especially if you're not wealthy, you got to have friends in New York that's going to say, hey, you can stay here for a week or whatever, but um, don't stay too long. <laughs> right, <laughs> I, I understood. Yeah, so with that said, it's a very humbling experience because you know what you want to do and people are looking at you like, well, why don't you just go get a regular job? You know? And it's like, you have to be determined to, to resist that because you know what you have to do. You got to spend time developing your business and um, meeting the right people. Basically you have to go places um, and just hang out. Hmm. Well, um, it's, I'm sitting here listening to Robin speak about, you know, coming to New York and everything. And I, I remember when Robin was making those trips back and forth because Robin and I had known each other for a long time. And she was, she was, she was hustling. She was going back and forth and trying to get her foot or well, get her feet wet in New York. And, you know, New York is a place that can swallow you up. I mean, it's, it's, it's no other city like New York City, you know, and 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 or living in New York, period. But she was able to finally get herself there and get situated and and whatever. And I remember when she started telling me about these media kits that she was doing, and I was just fascinated. I was like, "So you just decided to do this? This is something that you that you were going to make happen?" and she said yes, and she started doing it. Do you remember the first big person that really took notice of one of your kids? Um, it was Mark from Slaves. And from there, he introduced me to the Ohio Players, and they wanted media kids too, right? But what they really wanted was for me to book shows. So they're like tapping their feet like, well, when is she going to figure this out? We want her to book shows, not media kids. So Mark started calling me media kid till I got tired of that nickname. And I start getting serious about it. Now, did you ever start doing um, shows for the Ohio players? Actually, what I did, um, I got them on Unsung because it's not like you can just get venues because there's other agents and promoters that have their hands on these artists. So you've got to figure out a way to become a necessity for, for their enrichment. You know, So what I did was um, get in touch with the Unsung out in California to get yeah. them on 
unsung. So that's mm. that helped them and it helped me, you know, to just really see more how this works, what things you can do. You have to be creative. You can't just say I'm gonna book shows. You have to be able to do other things. Right. Right. And that unsung, I, I did see that one. And that was really, really good, by the way. Um, it really, uh, they really went into in depth. Well, unsung does a great job with that anyway. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of stuff come out on that unsung show that it really, uh, I, I love the way they do things. So that, that was pretty good. Um, the name of your, your company is Miller Brown Entertainment, right? Yes. And sorry for the noise. <laughs> She's in New York, folks. Right. <laughs> you know, so um, Miller Brown Entertainment, when you started this, what was your vision? Well, it really came to me um, after that, after I started doing the media kits. Um, I went to a stage play with a friend of mine up at the Beacon Theater, and it was Carius uh, Johnson. He put on the show, um, Three Ways to Get a Husband. And so he wrote the show and Gary Gidry, he, he did the production, I believe it was production, but it was an all-star cast. It was Lenny Williams, Shirley Murdoch, Billy Dee Williams, Leon, and Reggie Reg, who was a comedian. So Reggie was looking for an assistant because he wanted to um, get on the um, Saturday Night Live. Uh, he had been on HBO doing his impressions with Denzel he was really good, but he wanted to um, be on Saturday Night Live. So that thrust me into going down to Rockefeller Center, getting turned down. You can't come in. You know, that's how they do you. But it made me realize I don't want to work a nine to five. This is what I want to do. I want to spend the day being creative and just having fun because it is fun. It's a, it's a great feeling to be able to have a lucrative freelance type of business so that's what started me wanting to do it full-time gotcha and what what um so we read a little bit about in the bio how hard was it for kind of like you said a woman coming into probably a a, a male dominated um you know promo booking field you know how hard was it to be taken seriously and probably uh, an out-of-towner, you weren't a native New Yorker, you know, a female right. and somebody new to the game. Right. So uh, luckily, I I found a couple of artists that were well-known. And what they would do is they would call me every night and say, hmm, what do we got? You know, what are we doing? And so I had booked this one artist to show down in uh, San Diego. So instead of the deposit coming to me, he calls the venue and gets a deposit for himself. I don't see a deposit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next artist, major artist, his uh, agency is not doing any work for him. So he's calling me, asking me, can I get him a show? I got him a show in Philadelphia. So when it came time to um, write the check, the venue called him and said, should I make the check out to... Uh, Miller Brown Entertainment, or should I make it out to your agency? So this artist called me and said, your service will no longer need it, and slammed down the phone. So that was another gig I lost. The last one that they got me was when um, I flew to California. And so they said, well, okay, we're, we're booking this band. And 
we need you to come and sign the contract. This is your, this is your um, artist. So I go to California. I don't even ask about the writer. I pick up the check and I call the manager and I said, well, this is, this is the amount they're paying. And he started laughing at me. He said, uh, that doesn't even cover our writer. <laughs> so the first artist I mentioned to you before about the San Diego, he gets on the phone and he's laughing with this guy saying, uh, she's green. She don't know what she's doing. And that really, really ticked me off because I spent a lot of money going back and forth, you know. So I learned then I wasn't going to be green anymore. You know, I right. was going to work with people who had that, quote, cigar mentality, you know, like just take your money from you because they can, you know. So that's when I started to um, do more research. The most important thing with any contract or show is the writer, you know, because it could be more than what the uh, fee is for the artist. You know, so, their so for, I'm sorry, for people who are not familiar, can you explain what a writer is? A writer is saying what they need. It could be their band, definitely for their band, what type of equipment that they're going to need. And then there's a personal writer, which means that I want champagne. I want to be picked up in this kind of car, um, those types of things. So that can come up to maybe, I'll say maybe 10 grand. That could be that amount or with hotels and travel, you know what I'm saying? For all the band members, you know, so you got to really think about the writer before you think about any offer from a venue gotcha. or promotion. And, and, you know, that, that made me think, um, I can't remember who it is, but I feel like I heard either J-Lo or Mariah Carey, um, they have to have Skittles in their room, you know, yeah. like just just different odd stuff and a certain type of water that they drink. True. And the reason they do that is only because they want to see if you're paying attention. They'll ask for all crazy stuff. But then if you talk to them about their writer, they'll say, well, no, no I don't really need that. I just need fresh towels or, you know, just get liquor mm -hmm. for the band, you know, but they want to see, are you really paying attention to the writer? Right. Want to wait to the day of the show and say, Oh, I got to go out here now uh, pay for a SUV. That's white. They don't want black. They want white. So, 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 first. so what would happen if let's say, let's say there was some like little frivolous stuff on the rider, like Skittles, bottled water, and you did not have there was no conversation prior you did not have them could that artist cancel out of that contract that they chose to most likely they wouldn't depending on how, what the value of it is because you could run out and get that but you know okay. like for example if they want a certain type of vehicle or transportation to pick them up or a certain type of um, hotel you know they want a five-star hotel they don't want a three-star you know after a while they could cancel Gotcha. Well, it's it's funny because I'm listening, and yes, Leonard and and uh, Robin is definitely right about that. Because I remember when I was younger, um, I was doing some entertainment stuff, um, doing um, working with um, a couple DJ prominent DJs up in Philly, who were very well connected, and I was with a group of guys who used to throw parties and everything. And I remember these DJs had riders and that was the first time I ever heard the term riders. And they, you know, if they came, if they were doing a party on a Saturday night here in Delaware and they were bringing, you know, people with them that we had to put up all, we had to put everybody up. We had to make sure that they had certain things, you know, um, 
you know, even at the venue, they had to eat before they they got out of there and did their thing. Then we had to make sure they had breakfast. It was it was crazy, man. You know, and the, you know, I'm twenty something years old. I'm young at this time, and I'm trying to figure out all this stuff. And I'm like, gosh, this is you know, and you know, and these guys were really big at the time as far as DJs were concerned. Um, matter of fact, one of them is still still um, in Philadelphia now that we used to work with. She was on her way up at the time, and and I think about it. You know, and I couldn't imagine all the stuff that you had to go through, Robin, with a lot of this stuff with riders and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I did, um, we did something for my high school reunion a couple, uh, back in 2017. And um, Norman Connors um, did a show for us. <laughs> and that was pretty interesting with some of the stuff that he asked for. I'm going to put it that way. So, um, you know, so you do find out that, you know, there's a lot to this thing and so forth, um, especially when it comes to uh, <laughs> the celebrities who really um, think they're bigger than they are. I'm sure you've had a few of those, right? Oh, yeah. They want the first class tickets, you know, some <laughs> of them, not all. Um, there are some that, you know, I've worked with. They're really cool, you know, because. When it comes time to the writer, they're not really picky. They just want to get their band to where they need to go. And uh, they're really they're really cool about it. But, you know, it takes time to develop these business relationships with people because they have to trust you that you're going to deliver them to where they need to be because you don't want to run off with their deposit. You know, that's their main concern. You know what I'm saying? Or making up shows that doesn't exist. See, that's, that's giving a bad name. And that's something that you always want to protect is your name. And even if it means I got to come out of pocket and buy extra uh, airfare tickets to accommodate an artist who at the end, you know, sometimes they may say, well, you know, I want this and I want that. And yes, once they sign the contract and they go and change it, I would still, you know, come up with it um, strictly because that's my name, you know. Right, right. Well, why don't you tell us about some of the artists that you've worked with? Oh, wow. The good ones. The good ones. <laughs> so, so, so now Robin nailed the, um, the artists who are listening and they, they don't hear their name called. They got to be like, okay, okay, Robin. Okay. Oh, cause see, I've never, I, I would never want to humiliate nobody. I can't say sure. this and that. But yeah. I, okay. will, I will tell you some of the artists I work with. Um, one of the things I did notice is that I had an opportunity to um, work with Bobby Womack and I was so happy to be able to um, work with him. Although I didn't even get a chance to see him. He was over in Japan, but um, we worked really hard to get this gigs together for New York and also in DC. But the problem is, is that there are these other agencies that don't want you booking these artists that they haven't even worked with, right? So, um, I get the I get the gig, contracts getting ready to get signed, and then they decide. Well, you know, they know Bobby wants fifty percent of his deposit. They decided because he's in Japan to block him from coming out here to do the show. They wouldn't give him his fifty percent. Now, there's no way you're coming from Japan to New York or DC with X amount of dollars, a low budget, right? So that got taken away from me, which so I dealt with that. That's cool, but. 
the other hand, there were there were uh, promoters on the West Coast that wouldn't let me book him. And then about three months before he passed away, they booked. You see what I'm saying? You they'll do that with you. They will play that um that game. Oh no, we're not interested. You know, because they want to do it for themselves. You see. But to me, the opportunity to work with him was something I'll never forget. And I just want to thank um, Don Smalls for that and also his wife, Regina. It was just it was just once in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. okay. Anybody else you want to mention? Oh, let's see. I like Maxie Bond from Mary Jane Girl. She's wonderful. Yeah. She uh, did a show in Seattle. And let's see who else. I did Norman Connors, um, Lenny Williams, uh, Latina Webb. Um, did an event for her in New York. Uh, Ron Katz um, out of the Bay Area. He was um, vocalist and guitarist for George Clinton and his mm -hmm. Dina Hall. They were wonderful to work with. Um, just good people. Uh, I said Rob Murat. Yeah. And then there were just others that I worked with. Maybe I didn't actually book a show for them, but I did other things for them. Um, like I said, with Sugarfoot, um, doing their media kits and getting them on Unsung and actually yeah. trying to put them together because different members had put two different Ohio players separate. So to get them in the same room to do an interview for Unsung, that was that was great. All right, right, yeah. Also saw that you worked with a uh, full force as well, right? Full force, trying to get gigs for them, but the thing is, you do a lot of shopping and a lot of shopping. But there are certain geographical areas. There are certain type of music they want, so you have to be very cautious of who wants what. You know what I'm saying? There's some venues they don't want uh, rappers. You know, they just want jazz artists. So you mm -hmm. got to know which ones to to uh, fit. So did you run into that a lot in, in trying to get certain artists that you were working with into certain venues and you found out that there, there, there was a class as far as musical style or whatever the case may be? Well, yeah, because they think rappers are like what you hear today, you know, um, the violence and all that. And that's not really true. When you have seasoned rappers who really started out back in the day, um, they're classic. They they can perform jazz. They're going to do their hip hop. But these venues sometimes are so, so old school that they don't think that these artists have changed because they've changed, you know. Right. They're not in their anymore. They're, you know, they're in their 40s. So their music is changing, which do is you good. Think it, do you think it may also be a Black thing too? You know, just, you know, a lot of Black people in the venue, no matter what the age ranges a, a little intimidating or sometimes it could be but really you know what it is it's me because if i wanted to go over to japan they don't know me there you see what i'm saying so mm -hmm. they wouldn't trust like they would a seasoned um, promoter like zap can go over to japan every day of the week and i've been trying my best to find something but they're they're always busy you see what i'm saying so that's those are the artists that everybody's unique. Okay. So it's the venue that they have worked with some other promoter, just like with the Aurora air situation. Um, the venue is used to him coming in with this group. So when you come in to bring him, they're like, well, who are you? 
You know what I'm saying? So they can't prove that I've actually been in contact with them or just got off the phone with them, you know? So that's, that's what makes this business so creative because you've got to work past all these hurdles, you know, and make it work. Now, have you ever been signed to an artist to be their manager, um, exclusive manager? Have you had that experience yet as, um, as a manager or, or promoter exclusively for that particular person? I wanted that, but I found that most of the artists, they don't want to be tied down to one person. They want to be able to let you get them shows and that's it, which makes it harder. But I do know one artist, he has a great manager to work with and they, they work well together. So they're not going to change. So for example, like with uh, Nancy Wilson, she had the same manager like 50 years. They never signed a contract. But I could never book her because she's with him. You, you follow me? So right. the waters that you walk in is that I'm not trying to rock the boat. I'm just trying to get shows for artists when they're not able to get shows or just to add to the inventory what they have. That's what it is. It's about adding to the artists. Mm -hmm. Take over the artists because their craft and talent is very precious to them. And they don't want to just try you out for two weeks and say, oh, okay, well, yeah, let's go with it. No, it doesn't work like that. And then when they see you're working with different people, they figure you don't have enough time to work with them. So it's like, you have to be, like I said, you gotta work it the way you can. Right, right. Okay. Um, I know nowadays when you look at, and, and you just said something that was interesting in reference to, um, um, having that relationship for a long period of time. When you look at some of the greatest entertainers um, that we've ever witnessed or been able to hear or whatever, and especially when the when they do these bio movies, when you look at Ray Charles and you look at James Brown and um, some of the other bio movies that have been done, and you look in their history, even when you get into the rap music and you look at, um, you know, uh, you know, when you look at the NWA, uh, NWA uh, movie or you look at um, Hammer and, and, you know, when you look at all these things, it always seems to be one particular constant in all of these movies. There was one particular person that was managing them or one particular agency that was managing or handling them throughout their whole career, mostly, you know, they or at least the took them to the heights that they were in. Even recently, I watched that Elvis Presley movie uh, that they just did recently. And um, and when you look at um, the role that um, um, Colonel Parker played in his life, it was interesting. You know, he got a lot of praise for handling Elvis, but there was also so much that went on that a lot of people didn't know about with that whole situation. So when you look at that, and you and you say to yourself, you meet this young person like we were just talking. Me and Leonard was just talking about the young lady that shows up in the Black Panther movie. Uh, Dominique Thorne is her name, yeah. right, Leonard? Yeah. Okay. You imagine here's a here's a hot commodity now. You know, um, she just um, scored big in this movie, and now I'm sure everybody's out there. If she doesn't already have a main manager, everybody's trying to handle her now. And that could be you get with her, 
and she becomes a big star, that could be your meal ticket for the rest of your life. You know, um, you know, you've been doing this a long time now. Are you still looking for something like that? Well, here's the thing. Okay. Um, people don't just become successful overnight. They have a group of people that have been grooming them, mentoring them, and they're still there. And just like you say with Ray Charles, um, they weren't going to let him go. He has the mm -hmm. same management um, but his whole career. They're not letting go. And so what they do is the manager comes in who was working with him, somebody else with the label, they step in. So when you have the label step in, they, they hang on tight. So this is what I'm saying. If they don't really have the label thing going for them, then they're not, now they're out looking for their own um, gigs. And the only way they're making any money is not through their music, but through their publishing. They have to go on tour and sell merchandise. That's where their money comes from. Right. So when you see them out still on tour, that's why, you know, um, whoever's holding their publishing, they dictate to them what you can and cannot do. So you cannot let let this Miller Brown Entertainment step in. That's out. That's not going to work. You know, that's that's exactly what happened with Bobby Womack. They they were not going to say, oh, well, let this mom and pop do this. Oh, no, uh, -uh. that's out. You know, mm -hmm. they they have their hands on them and they keep their hands even if they don't even look for work for them, they see anything productive, they want it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Lynn, you got anything you want to uh, no. add? No, you know, I think everything else we'll probably cover during the show. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Robin, if, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and, 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 use your services and do you, do you well, first of all do you still do the media kits no <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. they have them but i will do them but um they're kind of fancy they're pricey and i like them you know because i spend a lot of time putting it together but um my website is miller brown entertainment but what i did kind of shift um because like i said once um agencies put their hands on an artist I wanted to do something different. So I started the NYC Ladies Night Out because I saw so many women out in New York, you know, going places and doing things. And I felt like if there was somebody in Cincinnati or Portland, Oregon, who came to New York and wanted to know where to go, at least they could go to, you know, Instagram and say, oh, well, this person's coming to town or, you know, take pictures. Just encourage women that they can go out and have fun. Here are some places you can go. And so I had a, um, <laughs> excuse me, a friend of mine brewmaster who um really helped me because we would do these events like every tuesday in harlem at the cove and uh, we would have uh entrepreneurs female entrepreneurs and they would discuss what they were doing and there was a dj there and it was just a nice setting so i just want to thank um brewmaster for that and also uh, a young lady here alia horsford sibir because she provided that opportunity for me so i was able to not so much shift from Miller Brown Entertainment because I still do it, but the NYC Ladies Night Out is more reflective of, of women and what we can do. Even if we go out by ourselves, we can still have fun. Okay, that's cool. Okay, and how often do you do events under that window? 
Uh, right before COVID, I did one. After COVID, I left and I went back to Seattle. Um, and then I came back afterwards. I think I've been back almost, let me see, it's been over a year now. But I really because of COVID, I just mellowed out. It's like I do some of this and I do some of that. So I haven't got back up to doing the events yet, but I will. But I'm under no pressure because there's other things I want to do, like photography, you know, things like that. And just just look at things and enjoy enjoy my life. Okay. All right. So um, if people wanted to reach out, you said Miller Brown Entertainment. Um, they can go to your website there. Is, um, any, uh, are you on um, any other um, social media? Uh, NYC Ladies Night Out on Instagram. Mm hmm ladies night out has a website also okay great great all right well ladies and gentlemen you you have just listened to miss robin miller and um in reference to um everything that she's done and everything that she's doing and even what she's got planned in the future actually but she's going to hang in with us as we kind of go through the rest of our show we got a few topics that we wanted to talk about tonight. Um, Leonard, what was the first one that we wanted to talk about? Robin's going to hang out with us and um, give her input as well. So why don't you tell, what was the first thing you wanted to talk about tonight, Leonard? Yep. So Dave, the first one is going to be a story close to my, my heart. So I'm not sure if uh, you and Robin heard this story. So early, earlier this year, right before springtime college graduation, which is probably like, you know, um, late March, um, late March, well, really probably April time period, there was a Florida A&M student, a female who took a naked picture in front of the snake, our, our mascot statue on campus. Um, so along with being naked in the picture from the back, so pretty much the angles from the back, she had, um, I guess, hair extensions that looked like snakes. And then I think she had some some snake-like uh, heels as well. So, of course, it caused a big uproar. Some people thought it was daring and provocative. And then some people thought it was um, tasteless, classless. So what happened after that, the university actually withheld her degree because of the incident. Um, so she did have lawyers um, and they did go to court. And just this past Friday, um, via, I guess, court settlements, um, you know, negotiations, the university gave her her degree back. And um, Dave, in, in a second, I'm about to play a clip. But were, were you familiar with this incident when it <laughs> when it happened a few months ago? I I remember seeing it on one of the I think it was EUR Web. I saw it on, and I yeah I I briefly read the story, but I do remember when it happened. Yes, gotcha. Uh, with Leonard Leonard's so proud about Robin, he did go to FAMU, so that's why he's all. He's smiling and happy over there. So I mean, I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about smiling and happy, but so so Rob Robin, what what do you think? Uh, and 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 let me preface it: she was getting her grad degree, so it's not like she was just an undergraduate. So, um, Robin, do you feel like 
do you feel like like that was offensive enough to for FAMU to withhold the degree, or do you just kind of feel like it's um, more more of a learning experience for her? Uh, I, I can kind of say both because to be honest with you, I don't like snakes. I don't like nothing with snakes. Okay, so right there and there, we're gonna think it's something to do to stop you know stop the snake. But personally, um, people are, I, I see more and more are being provocative to get attention. They are. They are. You know, and if she was able to go back and get her degree, that's great. You understand? But uh, posing the no. <laughs> 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 so, okay so so dave and robin i want to play this little clip real quick and see okay. if this changes your mind at all let me see if okay. i can oh hold on let me make sure i'm sharing the sound because you know dave like get on me when i know yeah. um, i know that's enough <laughs> well a lot has happened since y'all seen me last so where do i begin i went to trial and ultimately i was found not guilty so for all you internet lawyers Case club. I guess y'all can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be quiet now. And for everybody who wanted me to apologize, I'm truly am sorry. That I'm that girl. What can I say? I stayed true to myself. I stood on a big decision. I earned a big degree. So everything smaller than me just couldn't win. And we contacted FAMU's legal office and the public information department multiple times, but never heard back from them about this decision to send Williams her master's degree seven months later. Williams and her attorney tells us that they're glad FAMU ultimately did the right thing. And I love that for me. Well, okay, so <laughs> yeah, so 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 um, I I know fam, you really wants to take that degree back now after she done kind of tried to uh, clown the whole situation, but yeah, yeah. That, why could she just take it graciously, graciously, and say, you know, that she got a degree? Why right. go through all of that? And and she's apparently a bright girl because I saw she finished with like a three point eight average, right? Grade point average, yeah, something like that. So, um, but was all of that necessary just then? I mean, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah, probably it. not. You got you got a little victory there. You got yeah. your degree, so go do something with it, right? And now, when employers or potential employers Google her name. Not oh, only yeah. is the fact that she done posed, but you know she's making all these her videos social, and social media is gonna, you know, it's lit already. So, right. her, so you know, because uh, you know these companies nowadays, that's the first thing they do is they go to your social media mm -hmm. and do things that they don't want to see. They don't want to go to your social media and see nothing, and they don't want to go to your social media and see too much. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. So in this case, she's doing too much here. She really is. I'm happy for her. I, uh, you know, she. But what was this? Real, what was the motivation of of all of this? So I mean, I first I think it's like Robin said. I mean, it it's it's attention, attention right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and and uh -huh. she got it because so when yeah. she took the video, it went viral. And then by the university not giving her degree, it went viral again. And then once the alumni caught hold of it, it went viral again. So, um, well, Robin, she's gonna get a award. <laughs> she's gonna get a award. You're gonna see her. 
BET giving out an award. Trust me, they're going to pull her in. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Somebody. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. And I agree. And, and now that the case is over, there'll probably be a lot of people who want to interview her. You know, probably yep. bring her in. And, and in fact, ding, they I just got an idea. Oh, here we go. You gonna bring her on? We'll we'll see. All right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Go ahead, Mister Fam. You. Yeah, there okay, you yeah, go. We'll we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll see how that goes. I wonder how many um influencers. She, I mean, how 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 many social media followers followers she got over this whole thing too. So. Oh yeah, I'm 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 sure she got a lot. Um, yeah, doing, got- d- doing my research, I did go to her Twitter page and she has a lot of um, provocative ish um, videos and pictures. So uh-huh. she definitely is, you know, trying to get attention and, you know, th- that type of reaction. OK. Mm-hmm. Well, you could say, Robin, you could say something. Oh, I said they're looking her up right now. <laughs> they, they, they probably are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, well, fam, that that's fam. You okay? Way to go, Leonard. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, we 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 all can't be uh, best of the best. Okay. Well, well, let's see. Let's see. Why don't you reach out to your 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 uh, fam, fellow Rattler. fellow Rattler, and let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. All right, so our next story, and Dave and Robin, I just want to talk, th- this story, we could probably talk about this a whole episode, but I just want to just get one comment from the each of you. So, of course, everyone may be familiar with the Shanquilla uh, Robinson murder in Cabo, Mexico. And, of course, a lot of stuff has come out. Her friends uh, ended up killing her. They took her money. They lied. Um, and now they're all kind of staying silent. Dave, what what are your quick thoughts regarding this incident? My my whole thing was, you know, when I first heard the story, and then I heard how the friends just kind of left her. They disappeared. Apparently, they they got rid of their social media pages and changed their phone numbers and right. all of this. I was like, what way to make yourself appear even more guilty than to do stuff like that? And then they were saying that the one there was one guy that found you know that was with her when she died and now did he get charged too so i'm i'm not sure because i feel it seemed like new stuff comes out every day and i i haven't yeah. looked at anything today so i'm not sure what the most yeah. recent and then they then they took like $10,000 from her yeah yeah cuz she had her she apparently had a pretty successful salon business right um that um and so and it almost appears like they set this they they put this plan in motion and, and that this was a plan to get rid of her altogether by taking her to Cabo. Wow. Yeah with, with friends like Robin, that, who needs enemies? Yeah, right. Robin, did you hear this story? Yeah, I mean, I think they have a new tape that came out, but the one tape that I saw where they were just beating her, you know, and she didn't have any clothes on, that was so awful. But the bad yes. part about it, evilness. We're watching so much evilness. And it was a good thing that her parents did not stop. You know, right. they got the FBI. So I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. But it is so horrible. Yeah, it is horrible. Yeah, I mean, you know... 
we're in a different day and time. We really are. And Leonard, you know, Robin, Leonard and I almost every week, <laughs> there's some type of story, you know, that comes up sort of in this vein. And it's just amazing where we are. You know, we've dealt with a lot of people with social, um, social anxieties, mental disorders and whatever. And they're just, they're causing so many different issues to happen. And, you know, you got a lot of these young people that have died who have had, you know, seen like, you know, they're living, living their best life. And then all of a sudden they're dead. I mean, it's, we're really in a different day and time. Um, you know, Robin, you know, you and I are around the same age. So, so, you know, our lives coming up was different um, because, you know, our parents and the people around us kept us kind of, they kept us grounded and, 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 and taught us what not, you know, well, first of all, we were scared of, we were scared of our elders and everything. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can say, oh, you talk back to one of them people, you going to get hurt. <laughs> you know, so, you know. Look the wrong one. Len would have been doing this show by himself if I said some things that I wanted to say back then, you know, so. Um, but it's, nowadays it's a whole different, it's just a whole different day and time. Um, you know, the kids are running the world. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It really is. And, you know, I was talking to somebody about, you know, I had a young lady came into my job and I just talked to her a few months ago. She was working one place and then she told me, um, she came in to tell me that she's got a new job and she wanted to give me proof of her new income and everything. And this girl went from, she's like 20 something years old now. Keep in mind, she, her first job, she makes $40,000 a year on her first job ever. She quit the job because it wasn't enough money. <laughs> she, and she came in to, to show me that you know now she got and she got now she quit the job because it wasn't enough money and this girl got four kids now okay she got four kids she she's barely 30 she got four kids but her first job ever she made forty thousand dollars then she came in quit that job came in to show me that she got a new job making sixty thousand i was like what in the world <laughs> Oh, you know how long it took me to even come close to that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and she's quitting. She's quitting jobs. She said, well, I don't know how much. I, I just started this job, but I don't know if I'm going to stay there. Okay. But this is but, the mentality. This is the mentality. Yeah, she's young. But one thing I would say is to build up for your retirement because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, things can happen. Your health. Worry about no retirement, Robin. They ain't thinking about retirement. Oh, they got to. Trust me, they need to. They need to teach that in class in high school because it's no joke. You know, it, it really is not. Um, you can have a bunch of money today and it's all gone. Look at these um, celebrities. They're broke. You know, athletes, they're broke, you know, and they've yeah. had, you know, so it needs to learn how to have money and deal with it wisely. You know what I'm saying? Don't let it run you. Um, that's all I'm saying. Well, you got a few out there that do it. I mean, I look at a guy like LeBron James. LeBron James is, you know, whether you like him or not, that boy is a walking conglomerate right now. 
<laughs> so you know, and apparently he's gonna he's got he's got it. He's thought about it, and he knows what to do with it. But here we are. You brought up about money and people blowing money. Uh, <laughs> our next story kind of talks about that. And yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Now, Leonard, are you familiar with Todd and uh, Todd Christie? Um, <clears throat> you remember last week we talked about shows. I couldn't wait till them to be over. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so my wife doesn't watch this show faithfully, but she has watched it, and every time she watches, I cannot wait for the episode to be over. Yeah, yeah. Well, Robin, you know about the Chrisleys, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I never get the first time I watched this show, and um. I remember I, I used to date this. I used to date this girl, and this was one of her favorite shows. And and um, I, I would just laugh because I just couldn't believe. I said, "You do know that that guy got to be gay. He got to be gay." Right. That's what I would say to him because you know, even though you know his wife was, you know, he, you know, the, he looks like he has a perfect family. He just seemed less masculine than his wife did. You know what I mean? You know and. She seemed like to be the one that had the smart, you know, uh, the smarts and always kept herself together and whatever. But then I'm looking at all this, you know, and they would always talk about, you know, these guys had all this money. They driving around in the fancy cars and they had a nice house or whatever. And I kept saying to myself, I, I kept saying to the girl, I kept saying, where's their money coming from? <laughs> and, and and nobody can ever answer that question for me. Well, he's made a lot of investments. He's done this and he's done that. And I'm like, Okay. All right. Whatever. So I remember last night I was sitting there watching something on TV and it popped up on my phone that they, that the sentencing had come in for this trial. And I remember saying, these they'll never get in trouble, you know, because how often you see right. people from, like from, this. From a TV to jail. Yeah, I know. That. <laughs> so when it came through that they were giving him 12 years and, and giving his wife seven years. And I was like, what? They actually are doing that for real? You know, so, and, and they confiscated $20 million on top of it. From Damn. Whoa. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm, 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 I'm like, the kids didn't take that and run. Well, you know, the one, the one kid, the young, remember the youngest boy? Not, not really, but. Go ahead. But he just had a car accident. Apparently, he he had some head trauma and everything. He he was in a car accident this this week. Oh, no, <laughs> probably the, <laughs> uh, the 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 stress of everything. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm sure. But mm -hmm. I mean, I just when I saw that yesterday, and I'm just like, wow. I mean, you know, I just find the whole thing really crazy. That here's this family, and they were on TV like eight or nine years. That show was on. Wow, it was irritating to me. I couldn't watch it. It, it was yeah, irritating. Same here. I couldn't watch it either. But you know, the the channel, what was it? Uh, a and E, I guess it was. Was it A and E that they were on? Anyway, they were waiting for the trial and the sentencing. To, so because they wanted to continue with the show, yeah, right? That that, that right there, great ratings. <laughs> They could try to do it from prison now. Well, they, <laughs> it's, always been, <laughs> it's always been a popular show. It's always been But why? Why? Why has it been popular? <laughs> because I'm, 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 I mean, I'm just curious because when I see it, I'm just like, I can't. Why, why, why do people tune into Trump every time he's on TV? 
okay, but these people ain't Trump. Why 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 were they watching this this show? I don't get it. Because because people were trying to trying to figure out if this if this is really real. <laughs> you know, that's what it was. A lot of people, I mean, you know, they're up there flirting with all the the only you know, the only person I could tolerate on that show because she was really real mm-hmm. was the mother. <laughs> the mother I thought was hilarious. Hold on, so, you know, so so you watch this show on a regular, right? I didn't watch it on a regular. I you said, watch it pretty I, regularly? No, here we go. Leonard. Or did you watch it regularly, occasionally? Because <laughs> Dave, Robin, 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 Robin Dave said, Dave, Dave's over here saying like a fan, isn't he? I didn't isn't watch he saying it. like a fan? Everybody, everybody knew the mom, right? Mm-hmm. You knew the mom, right, Bob? No. No. Dave, Dave you're, you're the only one who watched it like this. Oh Lord. Okay, never mind. Forget it. Enough. Dave, Dave, it, it, I, it's it's I okay. Think I watched, it's okay. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I was so fascinated about these people having all this money, and I was trying to figure out where it was coming from. That's what tripped me out about the show. So, so how many episodes did it take you to figure out where it was coming from? I still haven't figured out. I know, I know where it's not now because if they confiscated twenty million dollars, right? Plus, I know whatever whatever fines and everything they're gonna have to pay on top of that twenty million, they ain't gonna have no money anymore. Unless, oh. unless they got some, unless they got some offshore accounts, and they better hope they don't get their hands on that. So, mm-hmm. so well, they said bank fraud and tax fraud, so I'm sure. That's probably tied in there too, right? I'm sure. Yeah. So, but I just had to mention it because I just thought it was fascinating that that and the fact that they actually sentenced them. That's what fascinated me, and that they actually are supposed to get jail time. Because how often do we see that for real? We're still well, waiting on. We're is, still waiting on jail is, time. Is jail time guaranteed, or is that like is it possible they can go to trial and get probation and all that, or jail time is what the sentence is? Uh, the sentence was that they're getting twelve and seven years. Oh wow! Okay, and their financial advisor is only getting three years. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but I guess we'll hear more about this as it goes along. But I just couldn't help. Uh, you know, um, well, they said, and keep in mind, they got them because they said that these people defrauded banks out of over $30 million in loans. Now, see, how many people can do that? White people. Oh, I mean, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we can't go on banks and do that. You know, I mean, no. you Really like Liberty or something. Thirty million dollars. We can't even get the. We can't even get them to do thirty dollars. We are talking about thirty million dollars. Come on now. Oh my god, that's crazy. That's so crazy to me. It really is. I mean, but anyway, okay. Anyway, we're we're gonna move on because that story would just have me going crazy over it. Anyway, Leonard, <laughs> go to the next. Yep. So um. <laughs> Our next story, and you know, to be honest, I just thought this was very interesting on on two sides because these were two different parts I didn't know about. So, of course, um, I believe about four days ago on November 18th was the 30th anniversary 
of when Malcolm X hit the premiere in theater. So it was in 1992. And I saw a, um, a post saying that <clears throat> Spike Lee was only allotted $1 million, a $1 million budget for the movie and that he ran out of money before the movie was over. So he reached out to a lot of prominent Black people to request donations to finish the movie. Um, some of the top people who donated money were Bill Cosby, Oprah, Janet, Prince, Magic Johnson, and Michael Jordan. Um, so they kind of helped make the movie possible. So, so with a quick yes or no question, Dave, were you aware that um, Spike Lee reached out to these people to help fund the movie after the million dollar budget was exhausted? I didn't know who he reached out to. Robin, I, I said did. yes or no answer. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. No. Okay. <laughs> Robin, no. With, the, with a quick yes or no answer, were you aware of Spike Lee running out of money and reaching out to prominent African-Americans to help get the movie funded? No. Okay. All right. And, and I only said yes or no because that's just the first part. So the second part, as I'm reading more... <laughs> Spike Lee had been raising money and he uh, called up Magic Johnson and Magic Johnson um, gave him a significant amount of money. You know, that was a, a good amount for what he needed. And the last person on his list, and, and Dave, you're a sports person, so you may have already heard this one. The last person on his list was Michael Jordan. And he knew that Michael Jordan was... I guess not as prone to give money. So he was trying to think about how to ask Michael Jordan for the money. So he knew that Michael Jordan was a very competitive person. And he knew that specifically he was competitive against Magic Johnson. So he said he called Michael Jordan and stated how much Magic Johnson gave. And Michael Jordan was basically like, bet. I'm going to give more than Magic Johnson. So um, with Jordan's donation, his competitive donation, he um, Spike Lee was able to get the budget back on track. So, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting story on two parts because I was not. First of all, even 1992, how could a million dollar budget, first of all, pay for actors like Denzel Washington and some others and for the production, directing and, you know, all the cast and all that. So, um, Robin, well, what what are your thoughts on it? So, I mean, of course, the first name I saw was Bill Cosby, and we all know, you know, I guess <laughs> the reputation he has now. But, you know, I just thought it, was, I thought it was just so cool that Black people came together to put together one of the best Black movies of all times. So what, what are your thoughts, Robin? I think that's wonderful because it sets a precedent that we have to come together to get things done. Sure. Because uh, they're only going to get so much money and it's like, okay, well, you'll fail and you won't get the story out. But when you have a circle of people that support you, that's what's important. That's, that's what it takes, you know, in every situation. Um, Cause if you don't have any friends or people that, you know, in your circle with money that will share, because a lot of times they won't do it. Right. Exactly. All right, Dave. Now, 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 now you can say your yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, I will say this. Now, keep in mind, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they didn't want this film to be made. Of course, I, I can imagine. Yeah, because you know, because keep in mind, Malcolm X was a very controversial figure in white America's eyes, anyway, and um, and and Hollywood's eyes. And you know, Spike. One thing you have to say about Spike, whether you like Spike or not, Spike's going to do what Spike wants to do. And he's going to, most of his movies, he's had to get help with funding. You know, a lot of his top movies, he had to get the extra money. So he went out there and found it. And when you look at the list of the names, he hit the top people at that particular time. They were at the height of their careers. Right. You know, so, so he went out there. He said, I'm going to make this movie and I'm going to make it great. I remember going to the movies to see that movie, man. I was, you know, and and it was what, like three hours? That, that movie was a long movie. You know? Yes. Yeah. But it kept you engrossed the whole time in the movie. You know, in the movie theater. And, you know, when you looked at when you looked at Denzel playing that part, that was Malcolm X up there. Yeah, he was. He was Malcolm X. He was Malcolm X. So, so you know, it was um, so he did what he had to. He went to he hit the people up that he needed to hit up. And that was great. I, I really applaud the fact that Spike made it happen. And that even even though, you know, one of them kind of fell out of favor with us, you know, later on in life. I was glad Bill Cosby was, a, a you know, he got involved in a lot of causes over the years. Um I guess he did that to kind of hide some stuff. So, but you know, I think uh, he was genius because he did so much. I mean, you look at his shows; he's providing work for people. He was trying to set a positive example for black people. You know, back in the day when they had the um, the Real World, uh, not the Real World, but the show that he Cosby Show, and um, And Cosby Show. You know, because my daughter and I, we were talking about this. How come, like, Good Times? You know. They never got a break. They never got out of the projects. You know, in every show, even Fred Sanford, it's like we never got out, you know. And to see a black professional family, we don't see that too often. You know, it's always the gangs, the prostitution or the slavery shows, you know. And like they say, we have to write our own stories and make our own films and not being disrespectful, but we have a right to know you know, who we are, what we're trying to strive for, because this next generation coming up, they're watching. What are we doing? You know, that's so right. I'm- so now, now Rob, Robin, I do want to say in good times defense and Dave and I reported on it a couple of weeks ago, yeah, we um, James, <laughs> James okay. Amos, Amos, who played, uh, what, what was the name of good Times? It's not coming to me right now. Uh, James- Oh, yeah, he played James, right? Yeah, James. So, um, Robin, I'm not sure if if you're familiar with, but, you know, James Amos, he left Good Times, right? And they kind of killed him off the show. And he moved to New York, and he opened up a restaurant called McDowell's, and he got remarried. He had another family. And his daughter ended up marrying... A guy right. named Prince Akeem, who was from <laughs> Zamunda. Yeah. And so, you know, so James did recognize what they were trying to hold him in a good times. And he actually faked his own death, moved to New York <laughs> and opened Too up the house. And, you know, from there, it was coming to America from there. Put up Robin. This is, this is 
go through. This is what we go through every week, you know. Good. And he well, believes he believes that, by the way. He believes everything he just said, by the way. <laughs> they, they, I, I love that story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. <laughs> okay. James didn't get a break. He didn't get a break. Every time we try to get a job or do anything, he couldn't do it. And I, I just uh, we actually uh, talked about that on Friday's show. Remember I brought that up on, on Friday's yeah, show, yeah. Leonard? Yeah. yeah, I talked about that. Yeah, I talked about how even Good Times was a very good show. We watched it coming up. But the only depressing thing about Good Times was that they never could get a break and they could never get out of the projects. That was the problem. Yeah. So and and I lived in the projects during the time that the show came on. And I was like, we doing better than them. <laughs> you know, that's what I said, you know. So but um, whatever, you know, uh, it's a good show. Uh, it was a good show. It was very good. Norman Lear did a good job with a lot of those shows he did back then. So, yes. At least All we right. got to see ourselves on TV. When you would call people and say, oh, Science was going to be on, or James Brown was going to be on, and everybody yep. would TV set. You know, it was something spectacular when we saw our own. Um, yeah. And when the Cosby yeah. show came along, that really took us to another level. And it really hasn't been another family li show like that other than Really, I guess the Fresh Prince, a Air, that was the only other yeah. show that showed us in having money and living that way. You know what I'm? And that was funny and everything as well. So, all right. So, all right, we're going to come to this last part of um, which is what I like to call Robin something called Dave's Corner, where mm -hmm. I just kind of add, ask a philosophical question or situation. That um, you know, we, you know, I, I'll ask the question and then I'll get the answers from you and Leonard to see how how you would answer this. So, so the, today's Dave's Corner's question is this, and I'm going to go to you first, Robin, on this. What do you wish you spent more time doing five years ago? Ooh, five years ago. Um... Yeah. Five years ago. Being healthy. Um, yeah, being healthy and staying committed to what I was doing. Because anytime I had a call from Seattle that somebody needed some help, I was on a plane and boom, I'm gone. You know, and it's like, you can't keep doing that. I think you have to stay focused on what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? And I've learned not to keep doing that. You know, you can't keep doing that. I'm talking about rushing to help other people, you know, it doesn't really change much. And sometimes it makes it worse. So I would say to answer the question, I wished I had to just kept my feet on the ground in New York and not keep going back and forth, back and forth. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, all right, Leonard. Same question, Leonard. Why, why did I not get the same question energy that you gave Robin? <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 question I energy I got was very uh, skeptical, <laughs> but um you know I think it'd be two things I think one and um I I think maybe just doing more with my kids because it's like okay now that they're all they're in the, all, well and one in high school and one in upper middle school um you know I'm just starting to recognize how fast this time is going to fly. And when I look at pictures five years ago, they look so little. And it's like, oh, man, like I almost wish they'd be like 
so little for a day now. So I would just hug him up and throw him up in the air. So it'd probably just be, you know, just valuing, you know, time with my kids more. Okay. That's you said two things, though. Say it one more time. You said two things, right? Yeah. So if it was my other thing, I would probably would have, um, and I mean, hopefully it's not selfish and vain. I would have focused on uh, marketing more via Instagram because, you know, there's a lot of money to be made on Instagram. And I feel like about four or five years ago was the sweet spot if you were really looking to grow and transition. And, you know, nowadays it's so saturated. It's it's just kind of like it is what it is. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. And I'll go Dave, to my... What would you do if five years ago, you know? All right. All right, everybody, get ready for this answer. All right, go ahead, Dave. Um, well, five years ago, I know I, I did a thing five years ago where I was the uh, co chair of my high school reunion. This was 17. 2017 i remember and yeah and um i look at a lot of people since then that were at that reunion that are no longer here people that i had great relationships with a couple family members included in that group that went to the same school and when I look at this and I think about the list of people that we lost because, of course, five years ago, we had no, if somebody came to us and told us there was going to be a pandemic that was going to take out so many people, get so many people sick, and we were be shut down for almost two years and we had to wear masks and all of this <laughs> stuff. Would you, you know, you probably would have did just what you just did, just then, Leonard. Yeah, never, never, never. A million years did you think that something like that could happen? Never. Only in the Bible has it ever yeah. happened before. You know what I mean? That it shut down things. That I mean, we've we've had other pandemics. Well, what they call pandemics, like AIDS, and and you know, we've had chickenpox. We've had stuff, you know, that happened in the past but nothing that ever shut us down the way this shut us down and we lost so many people's lives and some people still fighting for their lives they've been sick for a year or two years or whatever the case may be it's really really deep when you think about it so my my answer to that question is spending I would spend more time with the relationships with the people that I was closest to that I can no longer pick up a phone and call or pick up a phone and text to that is what I think I would have spent my time doing and preparing myself for what was to come. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. I mean, make makes sense. But, I mean, you are right. I think about that every once in a while where 
10, 20, 30 years from now, when we watch movies or TV shows and people wearing masks on their face, we're going to be like, you know what? That was 2020 right there. Yeah. Or, you know, just how it changed people from working from home. I always think about all these jobs saying, oh, y'all can't work from home. Y'all not going to get it done. There's no way y'all can work from home. And then the pandemic came and everyone's working from home and don't know why I want to go back. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And look at the kids. The kids, whoever thought that you kids could not go to school. Right. And whoever thought... Whoever thought you'd be home 24 hours a day with the same person all day long, every day, all day. <laughs> uh, that was that was rough. That was rough. I mean, you know, even watching TV. Remember how TV programming was? Everybody was doing stuff from their house. And, yeah. And, you know, Zoom so calls forth. and all that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was crazy. It was it. Life as we knew it had changed. And it has and it will never be the same. Again, so I thought that was a pretty good question to ask, and I wanted to ask that question and and get the insight from you guys. So I thank you for indulging me with with your thoughts in reference to that. Um, but yeah, it it really makes you think when you think about it. If you could, if you if there was a DeLorean around and Marty just happened to let me borrow borrow it, I definitely would go back five years and and and, and try to. Do get a do over and buy all oh, and also pick up a, a couple of lottery books um, from a couple of states so I can be a, a millionaire by the time the five years was over again. Okay. <laughs> you know, so right, <laughs> yeah, so but anyway, you guys have been listening to News and Trends with Dave and Len. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us tonight. And we want to especially say thank you to Miss Robin Miller, who from Miller Brown Entertainment and uh, the two, what was it? Uh, the two, the, the New York NYC M- Ladies Night Out. Ladies Night Out. And why don't you give your, uh, your um, information again for both of them? It's Miller Brown Entertainment. And the next one is NYC Ladies Night Out. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. And it's so good to talk to you and and get your insight as far as um, showing, you know, the entertainment business um, from your perspective and and the things that you've done in it and how, especially being a woman on top of it and, of course, having a double double negative, uh, being a woman. And black right. ones, and so, so, but, one, you know. <laughs> but we'll as you can see, survivor, and 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 that's that's what it takes is to be a survivor these days. Definitely, yes. So, thank you for, I appreciate both of you. Yeah, well, thank you, thank Robin. You. All right, so Leonard, um, I guess we we can put this one in the uh, in the rafters to be put out there for everybody to play yeah anything you want to add um before we sign off no you know i just want to wish everybody a, a safe week make sure you catch us on friday well, well uh, happy on. thanksgiving everybody yeah, happy, yeah. happy thanksgiving uh, yeah robin happy thanksgiving to you as well and um don't you know we hope everybody eats too much and don't have to go to work the next day <laughs>
<laughs> there it so, is. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work that next day. I'm telling you now. So, um, but um, please enjoy and tune into our show on Friday, our weekend roundup, which comes on around six o'clock on Fridays. And that's it, everybody. Thank you for joining us and have a good night. Good night. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen, for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn.